Welcome everyone to the Drake Martinez Podcast. I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking about the new president of Argentina. His name is Javier Milei, I think it is. I guess that's, I'm pretty sure that's what it would be in Spanish. Um, in the United States, people have been calling him Eliu or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it's Milei. Anyways, he is he is like really like something else. Totally off the cuff and he went viral with his or at least in the news media that I follow he went viral in his assessment of how he was going to essentially how he put it was to take a chainsaw to the Argentinian government and um, he was going to cut and there's a really nice clip of him like saying you know ministry of culture afuera and just he's saying route all of you guys are gone and he was basically just going to cut the government um, down to, um, you know, in Argentina they have like instead of departments or, um, you know, different agencies like that, they have like how we have in the United States, like Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security. In Argentina they have them as a ministry of so-and-so. So the only ones that he wanted to keep was the ministry of Ministry of like Defense, Ministry of the Interior, and Ministry of Justice, and like maybe one other one, but essentially just like a bare bones government with no no fat to it. And essentially that is I think a really interesting approach. Not just that, but he also wanted to cut the to cut out and eliminate the the central bank of of Argentina, which I think is We'll, we'll see how that goes. He wants to utilize or he wants to use the U.S. dollar, I guess, as his as the country's new um, currency. So we'll see how that works. But he wants. Yeah, he wants to cut the cut these the, the bank out. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know enough about Argentinian politics. What I do know is that this guy is really, really libertarian. And he is essentially like what what Rand Paul and um, Ron Paul were advocating for back when first when it was Ron Paul. So he was running for president back in I want to say like two thousand, two thousand four, two thousand eight, two thousand twelve, and then his son took over. I'm pretty sure two thousand twelve was the last time that Ron Paul ran for ran for president and then his son Rand Paul started running for president in 2016 I'm pretty sure and Rand Paul is very much on this spectrum of a libertarian where you know the main principles of being a libertarian are peace prosperity freedom and making sure that the government does not have a lot of power like a very very similar to like what you would a lot of people would consider like a Jeffersonian like classical liberal or a constitutionalist and uh, a, a you know, person that is in favor very much in favor of free markets and letting the private sector um, suss out where the economy is going and directing the that policy in terms of really heavy heavily favoring free market principles. And there's a lot of uh, research and a lot of history that shows like why this is the best method and why there's so much, how do I put it? There's so much, 
temptation for the government to step in and advocate the economy to go one way or another. Now, in Argentina, Javier's uh, Milley's um, criticism is that this system of governance, where they where their government is just so big, so expansive, and has so many different ministries, is essentially it's a way for the government to pay its the like for the elite to pay off their their buddies and this makes a lot of sense if you think about it so if you ever if you ever take a chance to go onto USA jobs and take a look at some of the jobs that are on there for the federal government you'll see a lot of jobs that are like Really, really well-paying jobs. Jobs in the CDC, jobs in Homeland Security, jobs in Health and Human Resources, all these different agencies in the government. And essentially, you need to be a certain, what they call like GS position in order to advance to the next one. You have to have these different forms that say, hey, I worked for the government before. I worked at this level. I prove I have proven competence, competency at this level. I'm ready to move on to this next position. And that's that's one way, I guess, of getting those jobs. And then you also have these different markers that say that you were recommended by um, a president, presidential staff. Essentially, like, there might be a way of saying, like, hey, you know, this is my application, but President Trump, President Biden, President Obama, um, basically their office put in the recommendation for me to apply for this job. Just like if you were applying for a position and the the hiring agent is basically saying like hey, you are going to get this job but you still need to put in an application for legal reasons right you can't just be hired without putting in an application got it okay cool so there is a lot of fluff to that sense of our government too where there is a lot of positions a lot of departments a lot of open jobs a lot of money being spent to these positions that could and seems reasonably to suspect that are being given to political um, people's, you know, whether they be congressmen, people that work in the federal government, people that work in um, different agent government agencies are using these positions to enrich their families and, and so forth. So there seems to be a lot of areas in which we can, in the, at least in the United States, we, we can also cut a lot of that fat. And um, you have Vivek talking about that a lot as well, where the government, the federal government is just so huge, has employed so many people that he had this idea of cutting um, 50% on day one. And it would just be like a mass layoff where he says, if your social security number ends in an odd number or even number, you're out. And then go to the first number. Um, and then repeat the same thing and then see what positions are actually required and which positions are not. So I'm getting into like a lot of the details about it, but as you can see, as what the, the point that I'm trying to make is there's a lot of areas and it's not just the, the wars. It's not just like the amount of money that we spend towards the military. It's not just the money that we spend um, on interest, there's a lot of areas in which we in the United States are also spending way too much money. Um, we're spending it frivolously and we're not investigating and putting in enough effort to trim the fat. 
And it will get to the point where instead of trimming the fat, you have to cut off an arm or you have to cut off a leg because your country is just going into a death spiral in terms of the, um, the inflation that's going on. And I hope that doesn't get to that situation here in the United States. I know that like things are looking to improve a little bit, but I also kind of have this feeling that things are going to get worse before they get better, especially um, it was especially the way that things have been going lately. Uh, so the the economy here in the United States is still very strong because there's a lot of people and a lot of new industries that are coming up. But if there was fewer and fewer regulation, and that's the principle behind um, libertarianism, is the free market can balance and then shift and move the resources necessary and make the appropriate adjustments, not because there's some, you know, grand wizard, you know, I, you know, viewing the economy and making the adjustments that are necessary. It's actually the opposite approach where you have to sort of rely on the average intelligence of the average person across the board. And that almost like collective hive mind is what going to, is, is what's going to move the economy into the correct, um, into the correct, uh, location. So for example, different industries in the last 100 years have come and gone industries that were massively important that are just no longer here. And if the government keeps putting regulations and laws and different criteria in place that make these stagnant or obsolete industries still relevant, even though they are no longer relevant, then it's wasted money. It's wasted effort. A lot of people have this criticism of like the green economy and how the United States just really isn't just ready for a green economy or that there's different measures that we could do in place that would be more effective. And the, the, high, the um, increase in, like the, in, um, in price for pretty much all of the goods that we have right now is directly due to this artificial move towards green energy when we still need the fossil fuels. And we still, that, that transition is going to happen naturally, but that forced movement is what is causing the inflation. That's what's causing the, the high um, energy prices. And then high energy prices directly impact everything else. And a lot of times I think about this in terms of like Star Trek, actually, where when we start moving, so a lot of people put this, um, let's just go over this argument for a second. If a lot of people put this credits on what happens when you have this artificial, and that's what the main problem behind this is, I think, is this artificial move towards a one world government, a one world um, society, no borders, etc. Well, it doesn't make sense right now. The world's not ready for that. But if you think about a time in which it would be ready, it would be if there was interplanetary and uh, intragalactic travel, right? So let's say we colonize Mars, we colonize Jupiter's moons, we colonize Saturn's moons, we call we reverse and geo, um, or not geo, we, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's basically like um, geoengineering, um, the things that they did in like the movie Aliens. And, um, you know, you, we 
make Venus habitable again and reverse the um, the greenhouse effect that's going on there. And humans are flourishing and moving to different planets, colonizing them, turning them into beautiful and vibrant civilizations. Well, then it would make sense, I think, in a certain from a certain point of view, that the governments on the Earth move less and less from you know countries to a, pl- a one planetary type of go- government. In that sense, it makes in in that world and in that frame of um, in that frame of mind, it makes sense actually. Okay, hey, you know we have the inter, you know we have the the Galactic uh, Republic just <laughs> and. You know, the, we have the representative from Earth and we have the representative from Mars, etc. Right. You get the point. But it doesn't make sense when we're artificially driving towards that. Well, it's the same thing with economy. If you artificially drive it with the economy within a country, if you artificially drive towards one thing when there's no natural need for it, there's no natural investments, there's no natural inventors that have invented something that um have created a new industry with investors and people that are interested in buying it there's no actual de- demand there's no actual supply that can su- supply that demand well that's where you start getting into this issue of like wasted money and the resources that are being expended are expended and that's something that I think that we you know we tend to kind of forget is it's not just like the resources in terms of like the money, but it's also the resources in terms of like the time and the energy that it takes to make these investments and to move the resources that you're trying to move them towards. So, for example, if you run a household and, you know, you and your wife are like, hey, you know, you say to your wife, like, hey, babe, I think this month, you know, we really need to focus on um, setting a routine with our workouts workout schedule okay yeah you're gonna be able to focus on the how do you say like the um your 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 main household chores your main household things that you have to take care of every week um but your new focus that you're really trying to tackle is this workout schedule that you're trying to get on well that's your focus Right, you're not focusing on other things because you're focusing on that. There's still like the, like I said, there's still like the daily routine things that you that you've already perhaps have down, but there's this new thing that you're adding on, and that's your focus. Well, there's only so many things that you can focus on at once. If you get, if you see what I'm trying to say. Now, if you are moving towards greenhouse energy and not focusing on um, making the fossil fuels more efficient more reliable and more um, more safe, more environmentally safe. You're not focusing on that. You're focusing on something that's not really producing things for you. And there's no need for it. There's no demand. All right. So I think we covered that point sufficiently. You see what I'm getting at. And I think in Argentina, there's this, this guy is like, he sees all these things. Not only does he th- see all these things, but he also has an eye and a, and a strong background in this in the cultural war that's going on between um, conservative libertarian types and the other side, which is unfortunately communist and collectivist. And he seen, and I think that he um, he really hammers this point and understands this point very crucially. And he talks about how in the West, 
particularly here in the United States, how we are honing in on this this problem and identifying the problem correctly. And he said something that I think was really beautiful in one of the interviews that he had. Um, it's one of the famous interviews where he says, like, you know, that he calls them like leftards and um, that they cannot be trusted, that they he essentially says, like, hey, they're an enemy, that they will kill you, that they will ruin your life, that they will do all these things to you. But he said something, I mean, that that is pretty grim, but I think that there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that just like, you know, I might have talked about this in an earlier episode. I'll get to this point later on. Um, I'll elaborate on it later on, but it's basically a lot of the the similar similar similarities that happened with the um, American Civil War. When the American Civil War was dragging on and Tecumseh, uh, William Tecumseh Sherman basically said that we have to treat the South like an enemy, that they had been treating them like an enemy, and if they treated them like a foreign enemy, that that was the only way that they were going to be able to peacefully resolve the war and um, and stop the bloodshed. More on that in a minute, but let's go back to this um, this this uh, interview that he had. So then in the interview, he said something that was just really, really beautiful and actually like really struck a chord with me because he said something to the effect of, and he was very, 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 very passionate as he was talking about this. And you can see in the reporter's eye that she is hooked. She's hooked on what he's talking about, that there's a lot of truth to it. And he said to the, something to the effect of, on the left, if one of their people is embezzling money, stealing money, um, molesting people, essentially doing evil things, that they cover for the left, that they cover for him or her, that they cover for their own. But if it's the other side and they make a mistake, and to, he said to err is, it's to, it is human to err, and to err is human. He said one or the other, but it was, it was beautiful. He says to err is human, and we make mistakes. And because they hammer us so hard and for so long on our mistakes, no matter how small, that through that refining process, my words, not his, that through that refining process, we have become better. He says something to this effect, that we have become better. Not only are we better aesthetically, culturally, but morally we are better. We are better in terms of our economic understanding. We are better in terms of philosophy. We are better in terms of articulating the culture for people to understand and to grab onto. And when you put all that together, he is so correct that for years and years and years, for probably decades, the left has controlled the media. The left controls the media with an iron fist. And when it comes to people like Bill Clinton, in his cases, his cases of sexual abuse, sexual assault. And you put that into juxtaposition with people like Donald Trump that went through with um, Gene Carroll and the Stormy Daniels thing, that there it's become so crystal clear in the last, especially the last two years, three, four, that there is two sets of laws and there are two sets of standards. And those standards and those laws benefit the left. They benefit to the left. They benefit the left, but 
to their own detriment. That the right has caught up and has surpassed them in all of these measures. And that is to the benefit of the people because the more we can articulate this message, the more that we can bring free markets, classic liberalism, Western philosophy, and Western governance, the system of governance that we that I talk about all this time all the time on this show, the American system of governance is the best when it is actually utilized correctly. The, a constitutional republic, our constitutional republic, is the best system, hands down. And if we can get back towards that, calling the leftists and the communists what they are, refusing to do business business with them, and treating them as though that they are a pariah and that they are not welcome to to govern, then we will make tremendous strides. Not that they aren't welcome in society, but they are, they are not welcome to govern. There's a big difference. They're welcome to think and do as they please with their own lives and their under our system of government, but they are not allowed to run the government because you can't run something that's antithetical to how the government is set up. It just makes sense. You can't be in a marriage with someone who, you know, when the, the marriage is set up so that, you know, two people exist in the house and then one person wants to bring 60 people into the marriage. That's not, that's not how that's going to work. You know, they're welcome to do that on their own <laughs> Time, but not within the marriage, if that makes sense. You know, you can have a basketball player that's playing baseball on your team. You know, he's more than welcome to play as long as he's playing baseball. But if he wants to play basketball while the rest of you are playing baseball, then he's got to do go, go do that on his own time. He's not participating in the game. Our government, our economic structure is not that game. So therefore, people who are doing something completely different can't be doing it. All right. So um, with that, I want to wrap up the talk that I have on Javier Milei. And um, if you guys haven't seen any of these clips, I highly encourage you guys to go check it out. And um, thank you guys for tuning in. Give me a like. Give me a subscribe. All that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.